Welcome to the How Did You Get Into That podcast. Each week, we want to bring you an inspiring interview or encouraging message to help you find and do work you love. Now, here's your host, Grant Baldwin. What is up, my friends? Welcome back to another episode of How Did You Get Into That? I am Grant Baldwin, and I am glad that you are here. Let's just start with that. Let's get that right out of the way. I know there's a lot of other things you could be doing, but do appreciate you being with us today. It really does mean a lot. I dig you, and uh, I like you. I'm not going to lie. You're pretty cool. Today, we've got a great guest for you. We've got a guest that is uh, very near and dear to me and very near and dear to the show, whether you realize it or not. Today, we are talking with my friend, Lara Laced. And uh, Lara is actually the person that one of the people behind the scenes that helps make this show happen. So uh, we are at what, what, like 118 episodes right now. And even though you may have no idea who she is or what it is that she does, you're going to find out today, my friends. So let's get right into this. Here's my chit chat, my conversation with my friend, the one that makes this happen behind the scenes, Miss Laura Laced. Enjoy. Lara, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. We were just talking a little bit beforehand that you you may be one of the people that's actually listened to every single episode because <laughs> uh, you're creating all the, the show notes. So first of all, let's start with this. Like what for someone that, that's just like, I just listen to podcasts. I don't actually go to the pages. What are show notes and kind of what, what's your role in putting those together? So show notes, the way I describe them to people, they're like a, a blog summary of the episode and they can be the way that I write them is that they can be used as marketing material. So it's a quick snapshot of what went down in the episode and, and helps the, the reader of the show notes, you know, decide if they want to listen to the episode also helps them find links to the guest or any other resources that are mentioned. Yeah. And I think that's so important because I think there's a lot of people that I know for myself included, there's a bunch of different shows that I listen to and subscribe to, but I don't listen to every single episode. So those show notes are very helpful just to look at, to kind of scan through, look at some bullet points and get a gauge of, you know, is this an episode I want to listen to? And so from that standpoint, show notes are really, really important. Exactly. No pressure. <laughs> <laughs> I just do my best. So if you've ever come across an amazing title or some amazing post that made you want to listen to it, it's all Lara's fault. So anyway, so we do this together. You've done this with, with me for a little over a year now, but you do this for a variety of different podcasts. What shows are you currently working with? So personally, I also work with The Art of Charm, The Solopreneur Hour, Chris Ducker's new business podcast, Life on Fire TV with Nick Unsworth, mm-hmm. Andrea Owen, your Kick-Ass Life, uh, who else? And there's a few other people. And then I have a team who helps me with pretty much any new client I bring in. I'm like, I can't do it for you, but I have people I've been training who will help. So so I guide people through the process of learning how to write show notes as well. And then I, at this point, I'm still doing the editing of their work. And then I pass that on to the podcaster. Yeah, there's quite a few people that, that we're working with and the Demand continues to grow. Yeah, I personally, we're doing two episodes a week. And then there's, I know some of those guys you mentioned are doing, you know, anywhere from one episode to three episodes a a week. So how many on any given week, how many episodes are you listening to and creating show notes for? Anywhere from like 10 to 12, personally. And then I think we have at least, oh gosh, we might be up up to like six other episodes that go out through myself and my team every week. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. And I know even just in the, the time we've been working together that we try to stay even, you know, several weeks ahead so that there's there's no lag time because you putting together show notes for one episode, let alone, you know, 12 or, or however many is that's a lot to keep up with. 
Yes, it is. It is. And I've had to go through numerous like iterations of how the process works and how I, I manage projects. So it's been a learning and growing experience for me too. Well, one of the things I like about your, your story and journey is like, I can't imagine many little girls aspire to be the, the show notes gal, you know, or like this, exactly. is, like even like this isn't something like you take classes on or something that you, you know, aspire to. I don't want to be the podcaster. I just want to write the notes behind the show. Right. So, so I'm curious on how you get into something like this. So let's backtrack a little bit. So yeah. uh, I know you're out in the San Diego area now. Did you grow up out there? No, no. I grew up in Wisconsin. I have lived in multiple places over the last mm, about 10, 11 years. What did you want to do growing up? I wanted to do a number of different things. I wanted to be a writer, of course. And then I, even at the very young age of, I don't know, eight or nine, I realized that it was incredibly difficult to make a good living as a writer. Because I thought about oh, wait writing. Minute, wait a How do you realize that at eight <laughs> or nine? I don't know. Somehow I knew it. I was very savvy. I was yeah. not really a kid when I was a kid. <laughs> There's some kids that are like that. Like they, you just kind of, you're a little too advanced for your own years. Yes, definitely. I feel like the older I get, the more I become like a child now because yeah. you know, I've done things. I'm a grown up now. I, and so I can goof off when I want to. You're going in reverse order. Yes. I'm going to Benjamin Button it up. Yep. Yep. Nice. <laughs> so you wanted to do the writing thing, but realized that wasn't realistic. So what kind of like at that point, even as beyond high school and into like early twenties, what kind of path are you on? I was in journalism. I started out writing for my local newspaper. I grew up in a very small town in Wisconsin called Mayville, and I called it Mayberry because that's about how it is. <laughs> I wrote for the Mayville News in high school, and then I went into journalism in college for a couple of years and uh, eventually shifted gears into, I got an English degree with a creative writing emphasis, and I uh, got a few internships in sort of marketing communications roles. And that's where my career started. And so was that kind of always the plan for you was let's just keep going down this path and let's continue to, to pursue, you know, journalism and writing in some capacity or what were you kind of thinking? Yeah. I mean, the two things I really enjoyed doing were writing and working with people. So being in marketing, being in advertising simply made sense. It's that's the combination of the two things. I'm right. always curious about how people's minds work and why we do what we do. So yeah, that's a natural fit for that. But, the, um, so but like there's a, like just outside looking in, there's, uh, you know, it seems like there'd be hundreds of other possible natural fits for working with people and writing. So yeah. what was it about marketing that, that like appealed to you or just kind of drew you into that? Oh, I think the big thing is that at least the roles that I took on uh, in, I worked for several marketing and advertising agencies. I think the roles that I took on were interesting to me because there was something different every day. Like I worked with multiple clients and I was learning new things in different industries that I would never come across in a normal other type of job. So that was, that's probably the big thing that really drew me in. Yeah. So are you working with, are you wanting to just work with, with various firms throughout your entire career? You're kind of thinking that's the, the path that you're on or what, how did you envision combining the, the writing and the marketing and the advertising and the working with people? How did you envision that like on a day-to-day -day playing out? Eventually I would have my own agency. That was my idea. Yeah. So, yeah, and I always wanted, you know, clients in different fields. And even with the same client, you can be working on numerous different projects. So there's always a different angle and there's something new and creative about that process. So as long as I was 
allowed to be creative and had some autonomy, I was generally pretty happy with the path that I was on. And how long were you kind of on that path before you started to kind of feel an itch to maybe try something else? I think it was, so I mean, I started out in journalism when I was 15 and I made the sort of mindset shift into business, wanting to own a business or have my own thing, probably my late 20s. So really, it's kind of been the last 10 or 11 years. That tells you how old I am uh, (laughs) that I've been on this. All right, I'm doing my own thing kind of path. Yeah. So you're doing you're kind of doing the marketing advertising stuff for 10, 11 years or so. Mm-hmm. As you're starting to kind of wind that down, are you looking for something else to do or what's kind of the next iteration of your career? So I, I wanted to move to Colorado and I was in Wisconsin still. And I had, I don't even know who recommended it to me, but I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad yeah. by Robert Kiyosaki. And that completely opened my eyes. And I thought, oh, I'm not a freak for, you know, feeling this need to create something more, to be something more than just a nine to five job kind of thing. Not that there's anything wrong with that. There's not. I just knew in my heart there was something more for me. And I'd been working really hard and just not feeling like working for other people was giving me the the satisfaction and also the results I was looking for. I wasn't making quite as much money as I wanted to make. And I wasn't advancing in my career the way that I thought I should be. And I just felt like every time that I went to work for somebody else, some roadblock came up that stopped me from really fully, really fulfilling who I was. So when I read that book, I thought, all right, this is the path for me. And then I, yeah, I, I, I wanted to move to Colorado and I found this kind of, um, not really an internship. It's through AmeriCorps, mm-hmm. uh, which is like the Peace Corps, but in the U.S. And right. I found this great job working for an entrepreneurial nonprofit. They, uh, they did microfinance and there's a lot of autonomy in the position and a lot of room for me to grow and learn about entrepreneurship and help other entrepreneurs while you know, gaining more skills for myself. And so I jumped at the chance to take that job in Denver and moved out there. And that really opened the door to you know, the road that I've been on for the last 10 years. How so? Like what, what happened once you got to Denver that changed for you? Well, I found more people who were of the similar mindset that I was and who wanted to be doing their own thing or were really interested in entrepreneurship and, and supporting that and social entrepreneurship. So that was incredibly helpful for me. And I stayed with that nonprofit for almost two years. And then uh, we parted ways and I decided to go out on my own. And I so I just you know started looking for clients and I was doing some advertising and I'd really gotten into internet marketing and and copywriting at that point, just in my free time. And so I decided to give that a shot. And that again, opened more doors and avenues for me that ultimately led to to writing show notes. Well, before we get into that stuff, I'm curious on the why is it so powerful, like be, the proximity of being around those like-minded people? You said that part of the game changer for you was being in Denver and you met people that you feel like, the, like these are my people, you know? Yeah. I assume that's probably a large reason why you moved to San Diego. That's a real hotbed for a lot of entrepreneurs, especially in the online space. It's a big yeah. reason why I, you know, my family and I recently moved to Nashville three months mm-hmm. ago was it's one thing to, to see people at conferences every so often or to chat on right. the phone or Skype or whatever. It's something totally different as, as like that 
living in the same city or same market will like changes the dynamic of the relationship. So for you living in Denver around that community and around that culture, living in San Diego, like why is it so powerful to be around those people, not just again online, but just offline and physically like living life with these people? Right. Well, I think, you know, what we do when you don't go to a nine to five and you're kind of outside the norm, I think it's just like that in and of itself is so, it can be so challenging and so many times that if you don't have that support system around you and your physical proximity, it can be really easy to throw in the towel or just to doubt yourself even more than you already do. I mean, why make the process any harder than it has to be? You know, just go somewhere where you can have people who support you and and are on the same path and maybe have been through what you're going through and and they can help you. And the same goes in reverse when they're going through something difficult, you can help them. So yeah, that happened for me numerous times in Denver. And then eventually I moved up to Boulder and and the same thing and here in San Diego as well. So it's powerful, powerful stuff. Let's jump back into the story. So you're with a nonprofit Mm -hmm. for two years and then you decide to venture out on your own. Venturing out on your own, meaning like you're going to start doing the advertising, the marketing, and just, and you said you kind of alluded to copywriting. Were you just kind of like, I'm just going to do a hodgepodge of stuff. I just have to do my own thing. Or why, why did you feel such a need to start doing your own thing versus, you know, let's find another steady, secure paycheck and get some, some stability. And then we can start kind of building something up on the side. Why did you decide to jump, I guess, full steam right back into the doing your own thing? Throughout my twenties, I never felt like I had a safe, steady paycheck. I was uh, laid off after September 11th. The marketing and advertising world took a huge hit after that. I mean, businesses were just, I don't exactly know what happened in the minds of business owners, but there was this need to pull their marketing back in house. So agencies took a huge hit and I was laid off for, gosh, a better part of a year, I think, and, you know, doing little jobs here and there. But you know, after that happened and then it just like being passed over for promotions a few times and just seeing other people lose what they considered safe, steady jobs. I thought, you know what, there is no such thing anymore. And also reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad, you really understand that there is no such thing as a safe, steady paycheck. And it was just, it was time. It, it just felt like it was now or never. And why not now? So yeah. I jumped into it. Which always sounds nice in theory, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm, you know, I'm not getting any younger. So yeah, let's just give this a shot. But then the reality, like you have responsibilities and you have financial mm-hmm. obligations and you want to eat and live indoors and like these basic things that yeah. are just important. So you can't just be like, all right, Friday, I'm just going to, you know, quit my job or I get downsized <laughs> on Friday. And so Monday, I'm just, we'll just start chasing the dream and I hope it works out. So like, how do you mm-hmm. make that leap? Because I think, again, there's so many people listening that are in that same spot of just like, I would love to get out of this thing. Or I've sensed that in the very near future, I may be downsized. You know, I was talking to a a friend recently that were like, I've worked at this job for years and years and years. And I kind of get this internal sense that the rumblings in the ground mean that my job may be cut in the near future. So how do you know when the timing's right to make that leap onto your own versus just going like, all right, let's just, you know, let's, we're back to the drawing board. So we just, let's find a next job and then we'll kind of figure it out from there. I don't think you ever really know for sure. Yeah. You got to follow your hunch, and certainly, like your friend who has an internal sense that their job is going to be cut. Mm, yeah, once that you know, you have a few episodes of that where your gut tells you something, and it's proven to be true. Then you learn to follow your gut. So there will never be a time when everything is perfectly aligned for you to make the transition from your job. 
to to running your own business right. you just got to make the leap and honestly hope for the best i mean i had my overhead was very low and i found some ways to like I, I, I found ways to have free rent and my car had been paid off and I had no credit card debt. So I had, and I had a, you know, a couple months worth of savings as a runway. So I had a few things in place, but honestly, it scared me out of my mind. And frankly, I've been in much worse financial situations since then. And I've decided, you know, to take chances and take risks. And it's just like, you just have to follow your gut and do the best with with what you got and go for it. Right, right. Lara, one of the things I, I liked there that you kind of alluded to was how important it was just to minimize your expenses in order to make that leap. That's something that we've heard a lot on the show. You've heard a lot from the show as well yes. of, of people that were like, I didn't have any credit card debt and I didn't have a car payment and I was living in my mom's basement, you know, sharing a room mm -hmm. with my brother and just like anything you need to do to minimize those expenses in order to make the leap versus feeling like you got massive amounts of overhead and massive amounts of expenses that make it really, really difficult. Sounds like that was really like really opened the door and made it at least realistic and possible for you to be able to make a leap. Yeah. Cause I'm not a huge person that likes big risks. I mean, I, I'd like to minimize risk as much as possible. Right. I think that's just smart and that's the way I operate. I'm not saying that'll work for anybody else, but yeah, that's what made me more comfortable leaving behind the regular paycheck and moving into the unknown. Yeah, for sure. So you, you start on your own. You're just kind of doing, it sounds like just kind of a hodgepodge of things. At what point did the show notes piece start to come into play? Were you listening to podcasts at the time? Yeah, I've been listening to podcasts, I think, for a good eight years, like way back in the day. Which is eternity in podcasts. It is. Yeah. <laughs> it really is. And, uh, you know, I listened to them on and off over the years. But honestly, I never knew what show notes were, so... So yeah, it's it's a little strange to have a business in it, honestly. Right. And that's one of the cool things about about the show about careers in general is like there's new careers being invented all the time. So 10 years from now, they're going to be careers that like weren't even a thing at this moment, you know. They just weren't even on the radar. So that's why I think it's it's so important for people to just not feel like I need to know what I'm doing for the next 20 years because you don't know what the next 20 years look like, you know. Even as you're saying like 8 years ago, maybe even like three years ago or five years ago, like I didn't even know show notes was a thing. I didn't even know you could make a living <laughs> from that. And here you are doing it. So how did you kind of get your first couple clients and how did that start going for you? So I've known Michael O'Neill of the Solopreneur Hour was my first client. He's and... on episode 28. So cool. make sure you link up to that in the show notes. Yes, <laughs> will do. <laughs> so he started his podcast, gosh, just a little under two years ago. It would have been August of 2013, I yeah. think it was. And I was listening, of course, because he's my friend, I listened to all his episodes. And uh, I think it was like November. He was like, I need help with show notes. I just, somebody, please contact me on one of his episodes. And so I texted him. I said, yeah, I'll do them for you. I'm like, I don't know what they are, but I'll take a crack <laughs> at it. <laughs> and so I worked with him for, gosh, maybe a month, a little over a month. And he introduced me to Chris Ducker, who perfectly timed needed someone to write show notes for him. His person was leaving. She was, I think she went into nursing. Yeah. And so I met Chris at NMX, which tells you the importance of going to events, go yeah. to, go to events. And I think I met a few other people there who I started working with and it really has just grown from there. I have done absolutely no marketing of my services since or actually at any point it's all been word of mouth and referral 
Yeah, I was thinking that, like, I'm just thinking of my own experience. Like, people ask me regularly, you know, who does this for you? Who handles this? So I even know for myself, I, I can think of, you know, probably six, eight people that I've sent your way. You know, some of them may have panned out, some of them may not. But people are looking for that. And so if you do a good job at something, then, yeah, you have those referral type of, of opportunities that exist. So whenever you're, you are, are doing this with Michael, are you immediately feeling like you enjoy it? It's working, it's clicking? Or, like, what, what are you feeling about show notes? Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I mean, it brings together two things that I like doing and was doing anyway, which is writing and listening to podcasts. So it's not necessarily something that I would have ever dreamed up, but it does combine two things that I really enjoy. And that's, I think that's why I've been successful at it. And it, the timing has been perfect. Uh, and it's a total niche. So it's, it's sort of like the little perfect storm of all those things. That's it's made it work so well for me. So you're doing it for a little while with Michael. You you start working with Chris, and we've had Chris on the show as well. I don't remember which which episode, but I'm sure we can find it. It's in the archive somewhere. <laughs> but and that'll be linked up in the show notes as well. Are you immediately feeling like this is fun? I feel like if I pick up a few more clients, I could do this and maybe do this instead of doing the other marketing advertising stuff. Is that kind of what you're thinking? Like I could start to see a business coming out of this. I would say it probably took almost six months for it to solidify for me. I had other clients that I was doing various things for. I was also in, and still am, in a network marketing company. So I really had to make the mental switch because I'd been working on all those other things for years. So I had to make that switch of like, oh, okay, this is actually a thing and really could work for me. And honestly, it's yeah, Michael and I are friends, so he's like, you don't even know how big this could be. Right. And I said, all right, I'm going to take your word for it. Like, I, you know, I, I listened to the podcast that I listened to. I didn't necessarily know that it was like a huge thing. And once I heard, you know, what John Lee Dumas does with Entrepreneur on Fire, I was like, okay, people are going to take notice of podcasts. There is a business model here and an opportunity. So it's smart for me to stay open and give the market what it needs and uh, grow with it. So yeah, but yeah, I'd say it took a good six months for me to make that switch and go full into show notes only. I was trying to think through how we even got connected. I know before we started the show, I was doing some uh, coaching with Jamie Tardy. And I think either through her or through Michael, we got introduced. And I don't know. I, I, do you remember? I don't, I'm trying to remember how, how that kind of came to be. I would guess it was through Michael, but I honestly don't remember for sure. Yeah, but I remember like, even before we, we started the show, I remember talking with you. I was like, I just want to talk to people. I don't want to do all the show notes stuff. That's, <laughs> and you're like, I love doing show notes, you know? So I'm like, this is great. And so, yeah, we're, you know, 110, 120 episodes in at this point, And it's, mm -hmm. it's, been, it's been phenomenal. The challenge that I know that you've run into is that doing show notes or really any type of service-based business is yeah. there's one you. And yep. so, yeah, you can bring in a few other people that can do some of this, a few other people that you can train, but like, where do you want your business to go long-term? How do you take some type of service business that's basically, you know, individual human person dependent and mm -hmm. make it into something bigger beyond just yourself? Or is it okay to just say, Hey, I, you know, I've got five, six, seven, eight podcasts that I work with and I do those podcasts week after week. And that's all I want to do. How do you kind of balance that of what you want it to become? Well, I think, it's okay however somebody wants to approach their business. For me, A, I want to provide what the market wants. So if the market is, if the demand is there for this to grow, and it certainly is, then I'm going to take advantage of that. I'm going to capitalize on that because I've 
honestly, I've been poor for a lot of my life and I'm sick of it. So if I can be in a position where I can provide value and I can get paid for it and I can help other people in the process, absolutely. I'm going to be all about that. Right. So it's very tough to scale a service-based business, I think. And I'm just getting into the scaling now. So it's a learning process. Um, I have a course that I offer to people and then I, I actually use that course to train my writers and I put them through a six week process. And if they're good, I hire them on at the end of that. And that's what I'll continue to do. And I, you know, when new, new people approach me, I tell them that I'm booked, but they can work with one of my writers and you learn to work out the kinks as you go. There's really, I think what would be smart is if possible to start small and work out the kinks and then grow. So don't go full into like, this has to be the most massive thing. I can make it as soon as possible because for me, that doesn't work. It's I'm going to not sleep at night if, if I go that route. So, right. so I like to just, you know, learn as I go and help as many people as I can and scale in the process by learning through, through all of that. Yeah. And I think that's, that's such a great point that you kind of learn by doing it, you know? So if you <laughs> plan in the beginning was I'm going to, uh, you know, I'm going to do this and then I'm going to one client and then I'm going to get it to 10 clients. Then I'm going to get it to 20 clients. And here's how this is going to, like, you just don't know how that's all going to unfold. And you may have done like a couple episodes for Michael and been like, eh, this just isn't as fun as I thought it'd be, you know? <laughs> so I think it's important to, we'll just see where this takes us instead of feeling like I have to know exactly how this plays out. And, and I have to know, can this be the full-time thing that I'm going to do. No, I'm just going to do a couple episodes for a friend. And if it goes somewhere cool, and if not, it's, it's not that big a deal. So it sounds like you really just felt like there wasn't a lot of pressure. If this works, great. And if it doesn't work, that's okay too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've certainly learned that over the last 10 years of like, just have to take the next step. And if the next step doesn't seem to be the door's not opening, then look to your left or look to your right and something else will open up. Right. Okay. Let's talk about a little bit about the, the course there. Cause you, like you mentioned, you are maxed out and what you're capable of doing, but there may be, mm-hmm. I know there's other podcasters that listen to the show that hate doing show notes and would love to have right. even some type of system to do it. So like, what all is the, the course include? What do you teach people that would help someone to figure out how to do their show notes themselves, but maybe do it more efficiently or better or whatever? Yeah. So as we're recording this, I am updating the show notes made easy course and it's going to be, so it's both a PDF and a video course. And the PDF will really be a step-by-step of the very basics of writing show notes. And that's great if you at some point are bootstrapping and will eventually outsource. It's great to have that resource because you can hand that PDF over to someone and say, here, do the show notes. And they should pretty much be able to do that from the PDF. So the video course will enhance what's already in the PDF and They're going to provide information on some SEO tips as well as some of the finer points of copywriting and how to take content that you hear and make it into something a little more intriguing, something that builds curiosity and engages the reader and makes them want to listen. So there's a lot of techniques involved in that. And uh, it's a series of seven videos. And I think the big takeaway from those will be the SEO. It's both, like I said, basic as well as a couple of advanced techniques that I've discovered over the years and have begun implementing. Well, give us a couple of, uh, of quick tactics here. What are basically yeah. one or two simple things, uh, especially maybe within SEO, that mm-hmm. like other podcasters should consider when making their show notes? Well, I think what's super important is, and 
hopefully most people are doing this, but know the keywords that you're using in your iTunes description and then be using those in your show notes regularly. Gotcha. So like a great example is Michael's Solopreneur Hour. The sol- we use the word solopreneur multiple times throughout our show notes and it's just a natural, it's not forced. We, you know, I, I position it sort of at the beginning, at the end, and then multiple times throughout the actual show notes. But if you do that, like if you look at solopreneur, if you could just go and Google that, you will see that he is just loaded through the first couple of pages of Google. So take those keywords that you use in your iTunes description. And even if you just have to pick like one or two to really focus on those, make sure that you're using those consistently. And you can use those like in headers in your show notes. That's a great way to boost SEO. And like I said, at the beginning, so that Google picks it up right away. And then throughout the show notes and at the end, those are you know, just some pretty basic things, but and, and make I, a difference. And as I Google right now, how did you get into that? You've done a good job with that. I see lots nice. and lots of, of uh, uses for us here on the on the first page. And wow, lots on the second page too. So beautiful. Yeah, okay, excellent. I, I like that. Good to see. One of the things that, that I want us to talk a little bit about, we're going to save for the bonus material here, is let's say someone's listening to this and they're like, okay, I've got kind of this niche type of service thing I'd like to do. Or maybe I'm, you know, I listen to podcasts or there's people online that I follow, bloggers, or whatever. And I'd love to work with them. I'd love to do something with them. I'm trying to figure out what value that I could offer to mm-hmm. them and build some type of service-based business. So let's talk a little bit about that in the uh, the bonus round. Sound good? Sounds good. All right. In the meantime, though, where can we send people if people are, are, are intrigued by this uh, Show Notes Made Easy course or just want to connect with you? Maybe they're interested in hiring you or one of your team members. Where can we go? So they can go to shownotesmadeeasy.com and there's a contact button on there and they can fill out and send to me. Or they can, I'm somewhat active on Twitter. It's LaraK17 with the letter K. Okay. Uh, and I'm also on Facebook just under Lara Laced. So any of those places are great to reach out to me. Awesome. Very cool. Well, Lara, thank you so much for the time. Really appreciate it. Appreciate what you do. And uh, mm-hmm. on behalf of the entire How Did You Get Into That community, thanks for uh, what you do to uh, keep the train on the tracks and uh, provide a, some great show notes for all of us to uh, check out before we, maybe before we dive into the show. Oh, my pleasure. It's been wonderful. Cool. We'll play in the kitchen in just a minute over at the bonus round. All right, there you go. Hope you enjoyed that interview with Lara Laced. And like I said, she's the one that puts together all the show notes for literally every single episode that we do. And so would you do me a favor? If you like Lara, if you appreciate the show notes, if you dig what it is that she does for the show, would you just go on to the, uh, our website, grantbalden.com, go to this specific page for this episode, and would you do two things? One, we'd love for you to download the bonus material where Lara and I, we chat for a few more minutes. You can download that totally for free. But also, more importantly, would you leave her a comment, let her know that you appreciate her and what it is that she does? That would really be cool. And you know what? I think you're a nice person. I think you're willing to do that. So definitely stop by grantbalden.com, download that bonus material, leave 